Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Total Celebrity Show. I'm the host of the show, Neil Haley. Check me out on Twitter, at Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Total Tutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley, Google Plus, and also on Periscope, at Total Tutor. And I'm excited to welcome the program from, we're promoting the Game Show Network's The Idiot Test, Ben Glee. Ben, thanks for calling, and how are you? My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great, man. How are you? Good and fantastic, Ben. You know what? I, I was watching this. I'm a. Uh, I was watching some of the show, uh, pr- prepping for it and listening to your interview. When you were asked to do this, this must have been so cool for you because specifically enough, you like as a comedian, you like to kind of uh, make people laugh in certain ways. But this is a different type of thing, isn't it for you? I guess where you like those smart type jokes that you like to throw at people at sometimes, and they might not even understand them, right? It is, it is. I really enjoy the, the fact that the show, not only do I get to be funny on it, but I get to poke holes in people's logic and kind of make fun of where their brain breaks down. And that, to me, is such a fun thing because there's so few shows on TV that make you think and make you laugh at the same time. And in my stand-up act, I think I do that, too. You know, in the jokes I write, but also in my improv with the crowd, with my crowd work, I like to talk to people and find holes in their logic, holes in their life choices, and make them feel a little bit silly about it. And uh, that's what I do on the game show. And we have our third season coming now with 145 episodes. Congrats, yeah. People are just in love with the show. Thank well, you so much. And it's helped you. People your... are just in love with the show. They can't get enough of, of seeing these brain puzzles and seeing me take people down, I guess. I'm an educator, Ben, so I'm going to have to put you on the spot at the end just real quick with one uh, one interesting question to see if I, I fall apart. I'm sure I'm going to, and then everyone will be laughing at me, and Ben loves that fact. But, I mean, Ben, do you do all your own sure. writing of these questions, or do you you have a search team of, of, a, of a group of people finding these interesting questions for the, the guests? A little bit of both. We have an amazing, very talented crew of writers and graphic artists that create these 12 unique, never-before-seen brain puzzles every episode. And then I also write a lot of them from scratch, and I'm involved in every test. I take the tests and I try to find holes in them and try to suggest ways to improve the art or change the phrasing of the test to make it a little bit better or make sure it's completely pinned to one answer. So I have to go out there and, like I said, you know, come at people for getting them wrong, so I have to believe in them 100%. So I uh, take it upon myself to make sure the tests are as good as possible, and I debate them out with the producers <laughs> and make sure that we all end up on the same page until they get to a place where I think they're ready for broadcast. How do the contestants feel, especially when you can stump them so well at times and things like that, especially if they're very, the, the backgrounds of the people that you have on the show? How do they feel at times when they get stumped? I think generally people like it. I think the thing I've always tried to do in my comedy career is to, you know, poke poke fun at people without offending them. So I think I make them realize they made a mistake. They know it anyway. And we have a little bit of of, of laughter at their expense, but never in a mean way. So people are generally pretty happy. It's a weird phenomenon in my life. People often thank me for making fun of them. It's very strange. <laughs> All right, so Ben, if you have a question that you could ask me and see if I can answer it, I'm 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 game if there's a possibility. Absolutely, let's see how you do. I got a couple for you. Number okay. one, if you're if you're in a race, what race are you in when you pass the second place person? Uh, you're in a first place race. You are incorrect. You are the new second place. You haven't passed a guy in first place yet. 
Oh, you got me on the, my trip to New York and back. Uh, explain why that's the case. So you basically say. Oh, snap. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ben, hit You're me. You're the new second place. Yeah. You passed the guy in second. You're the new second. Oh, my. Oh, Ben, you must have really messed with your teachers when growing up, didn't you? I did, I did. None of them liked me. It was pretty great. But now I'm on, on TV and it's all good, so it worked out. <laughs> all right, one more question. Hit me with one more. All right. You have two coins totaling 30 cents. One of them is not a nickel. What two coins do you have? So two toy- coins uh, totaling 30 cents, and one of them is not a nickel. All right, well, right. We, we, so we know for sure that one of them should be a quarter, but then... It's not a nickel and two coins. Oh my gosh. Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I didn't think I was getting this. Is I'm going to definitely watch your show, Ben. This is just eating at me. Okay. Cause, uh, the, you know, the logic's coming out and stuff. Uh, is there a Canadian coin involved in this? No. No, it's American coins. The answer is a quarter and a nickel. What? Okay, and you said one was not a nickel. Oh, one was not a nickel. One oh. is not a nickel. Ben, I'm not doing. I'm doing third time's charm. One more question, but I tell you, I, I'm going to get this right. I'm, more, I'm gearing up. I'm waking up. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. No problem. All right. Um, how many of each animal did Moses bring on the ark? Zero, one, two, or three? Zero, one, two, or three of each animal. How many of each animal did uh, bring in the ark? He brought one of each animal. That's incorrect again. I'm so sorry to do this to you, buddy. He brought none of each animal because that was Noah, not Moses. Oh, my. And so how many people miss these questions? Who are the best to come on this, man? I, I'm zero for three. I feel so bad. Now I'm just going to promote. You got to watch the show so I can become better and then bring you back on to answer a question correct. Again, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, right. uh, Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central on the Game Show Network. But, Ben, uh, do a lot of people miss these questions? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, these are some of the harder ones, you know, that I like to to give people on the radio and on, on podcasts and things, because they are some of our more clever brain twisters. You will get some right if you watch, but you will get some wrong, and it'll challenge the way you think. You have to be like a detective with your brain and try to take in the whole scene and really think all different angles and figure out what the correct answer is. Um, so people are, have a mixed bag of results there. And then on April 20th, on 420, a week from now, on Wednesday, after the, the Skin Wars premiere, I have a spinoff video test called Political Idiot Test. We're doing a one-time special oh. on GSN um, at 11 o'clock Eastern, and we're changing the set, changing the format, um, not even playing for real money. We have two political pundits that will be facing off against each other um, with political-themed brain puzzles and different games, trying to make some sense of this insane presidential election. So it's going to be a very, very interesting thing to tune into. I think you'll enjoy it. Oh, definitely, Ben. Best place we can follow you and stuff. Where can we follow you and learn more about you, Ben? Where can we go? Uh, brand new BenGlebe.com launches tomorrow as well. So it's a big day tomorrow for me. And um, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, at BenGlebe on all of it. B-E-N-G-L-E-I-B on all of it. I'm addicted to social media, so you may as well follow me. I'm spending a lot of time putting up free content. It will make you laugh. It will probably make you cry a lot as well. I'm very intense on that. You're making me cry because now I'm going to have to mention this, but again, it's because of my brain is mush from being in New York City for the National Publicity Summit. So uh, people were pitching me to come on my show, and, and I could see... I wasn't ready for you. I at least prepared to at least know how to pronunciate the name and your name. So I at least get a a, a, a door prize, right, Ben? Yes, I give you a solid, a solid B overall. That's beyond passing. I think that's pretty decent grade. Okay, Ben. Thanks for calling and uh, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. All right, see you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. On the line, so I'm excited to welcome the program Missy Pyle of Fox's Bordertown. Missy, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm good. How are you? 
Fantastic, Missy. Uh, this is an interesting project. Right after all the different acting things you've done in your career and the success of being on a, a well-acclaimed film, Academy Award-winning film, and all these things to do uh, animated series, what did you think when you first got the opportunity to know you were going to do this? I mean, I think it's kind of a dream job for for a lot of actors because it, you know, you get to go in there and kind of be anything. You're not restricted by your by the way you look, you know. And, and it's it's a quick, it, it's easy and fast and fun, and and sometimes can they can just go on and on and on like something like The Simpsons. You just never know. So it kind of feels like winning the jackpot. Have you ever done this before, voice uh, doing uh, animated series? Is this the first time, or you've done this before? Yeah, I mean. Well, I've I've worked on a lot of different animated series. I did the Life Life and Times of Tim on um, on HBO, and I've done you know Family Guy, and I've done um, American Dad, and a few other shows. But this is my first time being a series regular. So you have done this. So tell us how it works. I mean, again, because you, you know we we see all now everyone gets celebrities to do a lot of the uh, voices, and because they're you guys are great actors and. And then before, I guess it was one person doing all the voices that would go back to animated series back in the days of Looney Tunes and everything like that. How is that process of going into the studio and, and shooting this compared to some of, you know, shooting films and all those other things? Well, you know, they, it kind of varies. It goes a little bit across the board. I would say Border Town is, a, is in the Seth MacFarlane family, and it's a little more traditional in the sense that um, you go in one one at a time and record your lines, and then the animation is all done by hand. I mean, it's on a computer, but each each thing each frame is drawn, and then they the animation is sent to South Korea where they make an animatic. To my understanding, and then it takes a long process. It's a very long process for the whole thing to be each episode. You know, like the whole series. The whole series takes about nine to twelve months, as opposed to something like you know when you go in and you act, they can be edited in live action. It can be edited pretty quickly and be done. You know, in, in a few weeks. Now, in the, you know, nine to twelve months, you're you're working actor. How do you feel with that? Because, again, right. you want to work other jobs because you're, that's nine to 12 months you're booked in certain times. Right. So, kind of, so is that kind of fl- good flexibility for you to have a situation like that? Well, so you can work other stuff as well? Absolutely. I mean, you know, you hope that you don't have a clause where you can't do anything else, um, obviously. Um, but usually, you know, it gives you a freedom to do other things, but you also just kind of have to be patient and just wait to see what happens. I, I just booked another um, – pilot for um amazon and you know it's amazon we we recorded the pilot you wait like nine months then they show it and then if it gets picked up it takes another nine months you know so it's it's a a long process all right tell me about your character burke buckwald and tell me about gert well um gert buckwald is um she is a five-year-old she is in the um the, the the TV show is based on uh, based on two families, the Buckwalds and the Gonzaleses, in a fictional town called Mexifornia, which is a border town. And um, the Buckwalds, you know, uh, Bud Buckwald is my dad, and he's a little frustrated with um, the Gonzaleses, who've only been here ten years and are really living the American dream and really, you know, thriving. Whereas um, our family is not, you know, a little, he's a little. My father's a little bit like Archie Bunker. And, Gert is sort of she's a five year old. She's weighs um a few hundred pounds. And you should, it it would be sort of like if, if Clint Eastwood and Honey Boo Boo had a baby, that would be Gert. <laughs> and, and what do you think of the show, especially when you, you talk that the, the the creators of Family Guy are involved in this stuff specifically and just how it speaks to us, especially we're talking about border town, US and Mexico and what's going on with Donald Trump and the political candidates and all this yeah. stuff. It's really some great humor to kind of shed a little uh, light and laughter about what's going on and how crazy our country is right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it, I, don't, I don't think anyone realized, you know, because it does take quite a while to make this animation that it would be so, like, just slamming right into the zeitgeist right now. Everything is just, it's, it's really, um, we had one of our first episodes was about a border wall and then, you know, the whole thing with Donald Trump happened, and so it's it's definitely feels very current, and um, it's just a phenomenal satire, I think, right now, and and um, and I think it's it's really important to see you know something like this and just to laugh and and sort of kind of 
put a mirror up to what's happening and kind of go like, this is, is insane and bizarre and, and what we are actually living right now. So Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern on Fox, tune in to Border Town. And were you a fan, Missy, growing up of The Simpsons and stuff and some of the other shows? Oh, on yeah. Fox, some oh, of the, yeah. Yeah. Again, and, like, and this, I've always, you know. Oh, I was going to say, so that this is definitely of that, that same type of a genre type of show. There's like, you know, certain lines you'll be talking about over under, at the water cooler the next week for sure. I, I certainly hope so. In this in this episode, um, I have a heart, my character Gert who's five is in the pageant, um, and she has a heart attack on stage. And because uh, I she loves junk food, she may or may not die for two seconds. And then um, my father doesn't have enough money to take me to a hospital in America, so I end up going to um, a hospital in Mexico with my, the Gonzaleses. So and the madness ensues. It's it's pretty funny. And also congrats on your film, and good luck on uh, the release of that film as well. So a lot of exciting things going for you right now, aren't there? Thank you so much. Yeah, it's all pretty great. I'm also on uh, Soul Man on TV Land, which airs on Wednesday night. Oh, really? Okay. So we'll check you out there as well. And the best place to find yeah. a place on you, Missy, where can we go? And remember, uh, everyone needs um, to tune in Sunday, but we're the best place we can go. Um, I have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all of that is just Missy Pyle, M-I-S-S-I-P-Y-L-E, and my YouTube channel as well. Just check well, it all out. Well, I get, can't wait to tune in. Best of luck with all your ventures. I appreciate you taking the time this morning to chat with us, and our, our, our listeners will definitely be tweeting it out and checking it out. So thanks again for calling. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thanks. You're welcome. See you later. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at Total Twitter, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Total Twitter, Pinterest, Neil Haley, plus also on Periscope, at Total Twitter. I'm excited. I think I have on the line right now Kendall Schmidt and Dustin Bell from Hebron Drive. Are you guys on? Uh, thanks for calling in. Good, uh, how are you? And, and, uh, and uh, where are you calling from right now, Kendall? I'm calling from L.A. Really? Okay. So I understand that East Coast, West time, West Coast time stuff. I just got an email thinking that uh, Dustin would be on the line as well. So I know you'll do some ribbing of Dustin later on, I'm sure, for sure. You missed the call. Yeah, I'm going to talk, yeah. talk a lot of crap. <laughs> All right, Kendall, how did the Hebron Drive get formed? Because I was reading up on, you know, all your great success and that and that process with your friend, and tell us that story because that's really for our listeners out there that are huge fans of yours, Kendall. They'd love to know that story. Well, uh, Hefron Drive formed um, probably 2007-2008. Uh, basically, what happened is Dustin and I had met uh, in LA and unknowingly lived on the same street, and we were both originally from Kansas. So it was a lot of coincidences lining up. Uh, and then after hanging out, obviously we lived on the same street, so we were like, well, let's hang out and we'll be friends. And uh, we hung out a lot, and Dustin was uh, playing guitar, and then I started playing guitar because my, my brother had one, so I picked up his guitar and started playing. And we just were making music together as buds, you know, playing covers and stuff and uh, putting YouTube covers out, like, before that was the hip and cool thing to do. This was, like, way long ago now, almost 10 years ago. Um, and... Then we started making our own music uh, after I got a laptop in, in Logic, and uh, we were kind of figuring out how to use Logic. And once we had songs uh, that sounded decent, we decided that we needed a name to release it. So, so Heffron Drive was the name, because uh, that's the street that we lived on. And uh, we were putting stuff on MySpace and you know, <laughs> seeing if we could get signed from having songs on MySpace. That was... And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the the rest is history. After that, I I, I booked DTR, and obviously that, you know, had to definitely do that because it was a fantastic thing to do. Um, and then once that slowed down, then I had every opportunity to bring Heffron Drive back and to, to make that the focus of my solo career. And see, and see, that's interesting, again, the story, you and Dustin, because the fact is that, Kendall, you guys were doing it like everyone else that's out there now nowadays, trying to make it big, trying to get your name out there, and then you got your big break for Big Time Rush. But before that, yeah. you were just you were just 
gearing up, hey, I'm going to form a band. It sounds like all the stories of bands, and we're getting this together, and we're going to name it after our street, and we have these dreams of everything, and now your dreams are coming true with Half-Bron Drive. That's got to make you feel really good. Yeah, it makes me feel really good, and, it, and it's definitely an interesting story, you know, of how that came about, because that, that one part in the middle is, is a big wrinkle that um, ended up being, um, you know, one of the main reasons that we have these opportunities, and and I'm I feel very blessed that I even had the opportunity to be in Big Time Rush, regardless of whatever I did with Half On Drive, but now I'm especially blessed that I get to have fans that love the band that met me through Big Time Rush, so... It's um it's been an interesting ride and it all seems like it happened in a very short period of time, uh, but uh, you know what they say time flies so um, I'm kind of shocked constantly at how quickly it's been moving along. Yeah, it, and and it's it's just a, it's it's a, it's a fascinating uh, situation, Kendall, and it's awesome. So now here it comes. You're you're uh, you're talking about the the big the big launch and release and all that to tell us about specifically your latest. Uh, album and everything. So, so uh, since Half on Drive has come back, we've had a full-length record, uh, Happy Mistakes. We've had an acoustic record of that full-length album, um, Happy Mistakes Unplugged. And now we are releasing our latest single, which is called Rain Don't Come. And we actually just put out a video for it uh, at midnight, uh, well, last night. So it just came out today. And so I recommend everyone go check out the video. It's really awesome. The the concept is amazing. And um, the video was done by a really close group of professionals and friends that, that really support us. And uh, now we're, we're pushing this song, and we think it's something that's different. You know, we think it's something that, that not is a sound that's not out there right now. Um, I can tell you that there's some instruments on it that probably aren't popular music at the moment, like, uh, we have an Ngoni, which is a West African instrument and song. It's something you'd have to strain to hear, but it's uh, definitely an interesting thing to put in a pop song. Um, and, and, of course, we have the flute. Right. And you've been buzzing on social media of some new things that are happening, right, that, that you soon will be releasing, right, to tell people about, correct? About some of the things you're yeah, doing so with we have that we, we have this, which is coming out, which is, just came out, the new song, new video. Then we have another song in a new video uh, that's going to be following this one out uh, in due time. And we, we sort of want to get this formula going of just being able to constantly have a song in a video, a song in a video, a song in a video, and then eventually be able to compile those uh, and add some others to make an EP or an, or an actual um, LP. Um, but besides that, we do lots of touring. We tour all over the world. We have um, stuff coming up, uh, talks about shows in South America and Latin America uh, in Europe, and we have some choice shows in the States uh, and working on putting more shows together in the States. So it's going to be a very busy year, which I'm, I'm very happy about. Well, it seems like you, you're really excited about it and, and your, your dreams have come true. And what did you learn from Big Time Rush that's now going through this touring process with Efron Drive? that's helped you, especially going from television to going out and touring and everything. What do you learn going the second time through with this whole run again? Um, oh man, I can tell you so many things, um, over coffee sometime. It's a long conversation, but I can tell you that the basics, um, I've learned, you know, how to perform in front of a crowd, which is, that's a, that's a huge deal. I mean, that's something that takes a lot of time and I had so much practice with it in BTR crowds of all sizes from a hundred to a hundred thousand. Um, and I've learned, uh, so much about the business. I mean, Heffron drive is, uh, on my record label, Tollbooth records that I, that I started myself. Um, and that was because I learned a lot about how the actual music business works and it's, it's a tough business. And I felt, I felt that I would have way more creative control and be able to, to really follow my dreams. Like I wanted to, if I, I put it on my own record label. So that's been a huge learning curve. Um, and just learned aspects of the business that I had no idea about before. Also learned what it's like to tour, which is really something I could have never imagined uh, until you're That's like great. constantly up at four o'clock in the morning, leaving a hotel in the middle of nowhere to go to another place in the middle of nowhere. So, um, you know, all those things kind of add up. But like I said, it's there's a million things those, that, that just scratches the surface. 
All right. Uh, where is the best place we can follow you on social media, Kendall? Purchase the album. I know it's coming out very, very soon. I think the 28th is the album release and all those different things. Where can we go? Uh, well, we just, we just had the, the single just came out last week. Um, and the video came out today. You can find, if you go uh, to the Twitter, at Heffron Drive, H-E-S-F-R-O-N-D-R-I-V-E, there's a link right up top, and that link goes to not only the YouTube video, but also to wherever you want to download it as well. It's like a sort of a, a singular link for everything. Um, and then on Instagram, at Kendall Schmidt, and Facebook, Heffron Drive, Kendall Schmidt, you can find all that stuff. Uh, Dustin's Twitter is at Rights. Instagram at Belt Rights, and I'm, I awesome. he may have a Facebook. I'm not sure. All right. Well, Kendall, best of luck. Thanks for calling. I enjoyed the conversation. We have to have coffee sometime if you tour in Pittsburgh. Okay, sound good? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm always in Pittsburgh. I swear I've been to Pittsburgh five times in the last two years at least. Well, reach out to me at Total Tutor, and we'll have coffee sometime when you're in Pittsburgh, okay? Hey, will do, man. Will do. Thank you All so right. much. Take care, Kendall. See ya. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening hey, we'll to the Total soon. Celebrity yeah. Show, and take care, Kendall. All right, so I, I am now informed hey, by you. my producer. Thanks, Kendall. Take care, man. All right, see ya. Bye-bye. All right, Kendall's off the line, and now I'm excited to welcome to the program, if we do have Roger Stone on the line, New York Times bestselling author Roger Stone. Roger, are you on the line? How are you, if you are? I'm with you. Delighted. Delighted to be here. Oh, Roger, we've gone from talking... <laughs> Music to now talking what I love talking about this po- political season. And when I heard I had the opportunity to talk to you, I'm just excited because looking at how crazy this election season has been, uh, I, I'm sure you've been blown away by what's been happening as well. Well, I'm a veteran of nine Republican presidential campaigns, starting with Nixon all the way through uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and I've never seen anything like this. Uh, it, it's exciting. It's wide open. Uh, on the Democratic side, uh, Bernie's putting up a much more spirited challenge to Hillary than I expected. Uh, Trump has pulled out to a substantial lead, but uh, we're heading into some crucial primaries here. Uh, if you love politics, it's a great time to be alive. Uh, and if you're uh, concerned about your country, you've got some hard choices to make. Yeah, and I, I have hard choices to make as well as a conservative who does an education talk show mostly uh, li- liberals uh, listen to and then also do the whole variety of interviewing people from authors to celebrities. And just to understand that if I would decide to pull the lever for Donald Trump because a Republican versus it was Hillary Clinton, it would be very difficult for me just based on some of the things that he has done throughout this, this, this election process, which disappointed me because I'm used to Donald Trump, the celebrity apprentice, you know, making the right decisions, telling all the celebrities on the celebrity apprentice not to make these, or even the apprentice, don't stick your foot in your mouth. And everything that he tried to teach those people that were going in the business world, he's done the opposite, Roger. That's what I'm so uh, confused about. Well, look, I don't argue that he's a perfect candidate, and I certainly don't argue that he's a pure conservative. Um, I do think he has the most conservative uh, position on the four or five big issues that face the country. Uh, And I do think, therefore, he is the best uh, prospect uh, for conservatives uh, this year. The real point here, I guess, is that unlike any other candidate this season in both parties, He's the only one not taking special interest campaign contributions. Yes. He's not. He's the only one not beholden to any billionaire, any lobbyist, any super PAC, any special pleader, uh, and that gives him an independence that I think the next president has to have, so we can make some fundamental changes. I worked in the U.S. Senate. Uh, I worked in the U.S. House. I've seen the budgeting process up close. It's true. There's hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars of wasted federal dollars. But every one of those dollars was put in the budget by someone, some senator, some congressman, some lobbyist. Uh, And to actually cut federal spending, not just talk about it, as we Republicans have done forever, but to actually do it means you have to be completely independent from those interests. I think Trump could balance this budget. I think he's the only one, for example, who could. Interesting, and again, your your process and your experience, as I was reading up on it, you know, about uh, your veteran uh, of all these national presidential campaigns and different things, leaving the GOP for the Libertarian Party. What do you feel 
is Donald Trump's platform that makes it so uh, such the person to, to really look at Roger to vote for. What do you feel? Uh, look, I, I think the whole the whole rise of Trump is a repudiation of 30 years of bad decision making. Whether yes. it is Bush or Clinton or Bush or Obama, it all really is identical. What do we have? Endless war without explanation of why it's in our best interest in many cases, erosion of our civil liberties, massive uh, debt and borrowing, massive spending without regard to how uh, we will pay these debts, uh, high taxes on working people while the hedge fund managers on Wall Street pay almost nothing, uh, big bank bailouts, uh, a foreign policy that at best is entirely inconsistent and incoherent. We seem in the Middle East to have systematically deposed our friends or our allies uh, and inserted our enemies. So um, I think people are sick of it. I think they realize that both parties are at fault. Uh, yes. And I think they're looking for something radically new and different. If you would take the people right now if in a poll on the Republican side and Democratic side of the primaries, it would be Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. It would not be Hillary Clinton or Ted Cruz or whatever, because people want to change. They want a drastic change on both party sides. And that's the biggest situation that what could happen if there's a broker convention, it, chaos could, uh, could develop. I know you have the experience of seeing this firsthand. Is there a chance for Donald Trump to just win out and not go to, a, go to a, the convention without the number of delegates he needs? It's entirely possible. Remember, there's still almost a third of the delegates to yet be selected. You have some big states coming up, including New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, uh, California, and others. Um, yes, I think he can get to 1237 before the convention begins. He may not be at 1237 at the end of the delegate selection process, but remember, there are more than 300 uncommitted delegates to be wooed, uh, and to be uh, and to be wined and dined and to be sought and all the candidates will be working on that. Uh, I do think that he can uh, that he can make the magic number. Um, I'm, I'm actually very optimistic now that he will, assuming uh, victories in some of these northeastern primaries, particularly where he is heavily favored. Um, if this goes to a second ballot. Um, I would predict that the establishment types like Neil and Jeb Bush and Mitt Romney will drop Ted Cruz like a hot potato, uh, right. and you'll get some dark horse nominee on a late ballot. The party at that point would be so badly divided, and the voters yes. would be so angry that their primary votes didn't matter at all. Um, I suspect the nomination would be close to worthless. And then let's say it was uh, Kasich. It would just be worthless in so many ways because so many people want a difference in Washington D.C. They don't want an they they want an outsider, and there's been history of that, Roger. Am I correct in the history of of presidential elections? Outsiders have won because people are tired of the establishment in both parties, right. Democratic and Republican Party. Ronald Reagan is the best example of that. What encourages me is poll after poll shows that almost a third of the Bernie Sanders voters would vote for Donald Trump in a face-off with Hillary Clinton. Those are not the hard, his hard-left supporters. You'll never get those. But these are the blue-collar workers who NAFTA has left behind, who TPP will leave behind. These global globalist national trade deals have destroyed our job market. Uh, they've destroyed the livelihoods of these voters. And that is the greatest fear on the left. That's why uh, the Trump rallies are being invaded by paid agitators, by professional uh, agitators, uh, uh, recruited by MoveOn.org, uh, paid for by, by um, uh, George Soros, directed by David Brock, and they want to do two things. One, they want to foment violence so they can turn around and blame it on Trump. It's like, hit me in the chin, hit me in the chin, I dare you to hit me in the chin, I dare you to hit me in the chin. And then if some Trump supporter loses their temper and hits him in the chin... Well, then they blame the violence on the Trump supporters, which is why anyone right. who is for Trump must exercise restraint. Violence, like you saw at the Chicago convention, destroyed Hubert Humphrey's campaign. Violence in Cleveland is the last thing we want. It would destroy Trump's general election chances. Uh, and, then, and then secondarily, they want to uh, disqualify Trump uh, by calling him a bigot and a racist and a madman yeah. and so on. All of that is to scare away those populist Sanders voters who may end up with Trump in the fall.
Right, and what's going to happen is they're fearful of this, if Trump does get the nomination in both parties, because what Donald Trump will do is a masterful job of explaining why he went far, far to the right, and now he'll go a little bit different in the general election, which is history, repeats always in certain ways, but also explain some of the attacks after the Republicans are out of the way. Now it's the focus is just on the general election and Hillary Clinton. And I know Hillary does not want to run against Donald Trump or even debate Donald Trump because she got she gets frustrated by Bernie Sanders. Imagine Donald Trump. I mean, it would be uh, uh, the most entertaining debate you've ever seen, wouldn't it be? I think. Yeah, look, it would be it would be exciting because Trump is entirely fearless. I mean, he is just yeah. uh, fearless, uh, and he will go anywhere. He will talk about. Um, you know, Bill's uh, history of sexual assaults and Hillary's role in covering them up. He will talk about the massive theft uh, going on at the Clinton Foundation. Uh, who knows? I mean, I, he will bring up anything necessary to expose the disastrous record of Hillary Clinton. So there would be no holds barred. Compare that to a career politician, say a Chris Christie or a Jeb Bush or a Marco Rubio, none of whom would have the courage to uh, to attack in that manner. So it's actually the only way to defeat her is to expose her entire public and private record. All right, well, Roger, I appreciate coming on again. Your two books that people can pick up right now are Jab and the Bush Crime Family and The Clinton's War on Women. We could get them on Amazon and all different places. Where can we find information on you, Roger, as well? Where can we go? Uh, go to rogerstone.com is the best place, rogerstone.com, no D, or stonezone.com. Uh, or StoneColdTruth.com, the three blogs that, uh, that I use to do political commentary and also um, some fashion advice. Well, you're ever in Pittsburgh, I'd love to have a, grab a cup of coffee with you because you're, you are so knowledgeable in all the different things. And uh, uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and explaining things and having a nice uh, conversation. So thanks for calling, and uh, best of luck in your continued support looking at Trump and your books and, and trying to make America great again. I guess that's the, the, the motto everyone in the Republican Party will start saying if this goes the way it goes. So thanks again for calling, Rob. Well, if I get to Pittsburgh, we'll make it a beer. Many thanks. A beer, okay. I will. I will check out your social media and see when you come to us for KK Roger. See ya. Thanks. Okay. Bye bye. All right, that was a great show, guys. Take care, everyone. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Total Celebrity Show. I'm the host of the show, Neil Haley. You can check me out on Twitter at Total Tutor, Neil S Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Total Tutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley, and Google Plus, and also on Periscope at Total Tutor. And I'm so excited about these guests. I mean, uh, I enjoy the show. Uh, congrats on their hundredth. Episode coming up this Friday, April 15th, so I'm excited to welcome the program. Brett Raymer and Wade King, hosts of Animal Planet's Tank. Brett and Wade, thanks for calling, and how are you guys? Good, thank you. All right. Thank you. You guys are doing awesome. All right, so, Brett, tell me the story of how this started. I mean, you think of different reality television shows and how the, coming up with this idea for people who and how you guys make tanks and how – it's just grown to the point of you're making them for celebrities now and everybody. Yeah, we used to watch a lot of Orange County Choppers and uh, see how those guys took motorcycles and made them into amazing, you know, motorcycles. And we used to talk about, you know, turning fish tanks into amazing fish tanks all the time. And uh, we had this crazy idea. And six years ago, we, we made television, and here we are uh, 100 episodes later. Uh, you know, we've, we've started an aquarium craze. Uh, that's tremendous. And, Wade, when you came up with this idea and then got the show, did you think it was going to take off like this, Wade? Um, actually, you know, I, I did all the work. Brett used to come in and bicker and complain and said he wanted to be on TV. And uh, he actually ran with it, and he's the one who got it on the show. I do all the back work and all the building and all that stuff, and it kind of clicked. And we got it to Animal Planet, and they ran with it, and they liked it, and it just started taking off. But... Um, did I believe it would go? No. I always, Brett always believed in it. I never did. I just kept building the tanks, and the two clicked together, and it just kept going. And, Brett, what differentiates you from your competition, you think, in building fish tanks? And, and so that you guys are so well-known. Well yeah. I think as an overall company, we probably have the most collective experience um, with all the people we have on staff. Uh, that have been building aquariums, you know, between Wade and Chewy and the guys that work there. Um, we have probably, you know, a few hundred years 
of collective experience. Plus, I think we have the best creative team on the planet. And, uh, you know, we make an amazing product. I mean, there's not many people that do what we do, but we make aquariums for everybody. Uh, we're affordable. Just because we're on television doesn't mean we uh, – doesn't mean you can't afford our aquarium. We make aquariums from 50 gallons all the way on up. I, I feel we changed the industry. We, everyone just had a square little tank in the house in the corner on a metal stand. I think, you know, when we went into the theming, we changed it around. And since that happened, everybody that has a pool table in the house or a ping pong table, they wanted a themed aquarium. And we could theme it to anything. I mean, if they're into sports yeah. or into movies. And it just took off. And, Brett, you guys maintain the tanks for some of your clients as well after that because you know how hard it is to keep a, even a, a simple fish tank but these extravagant ones that you guys create yeah absolutely um what we did is we we knew that maintenance was going to be uh, something that people were going to require so we set up a uh, maintenance program on our website where you can go on and basically sign up uh, as a company and uh, you can become a maintenance uh, you know, rep of our company. And basically, we refer out maintenance all around the country. We work with a lot of guys on the show um, that are there, and they have specific protocols that they follow. And uh, at the end of the day, we want to make sure the client has uh, you know, everything from A to Z. And that, that's, that's tremendous weight because you've got to have a good-looking fish tank right after you guys put together. And I, I consider you guys like the pimp my ride of fish tanks. You know, in a way that, you know, how you, <laughs> you, 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 how you pimp out these fish tanks. And it really got probably your competition's like shaking their heads in so many ways. But wait, that maintenance, if you don't take care of it after you make this a, a perfect thing, I'm sure you've been some horror stories, Wade, of going out to play some sites and seeing what you created and how it got messed up at times, right? You know, it happens. It's mainly the people get lazy and they uh, – don't stay on top of it and take care of it. And, you know, and it's a tricky question because what we try to do is, as we're designing the aquarium, we try to make it, you know, maintenance-friendly. You need access to get into it. You want to make certain things that's waterproof. You want to be able to get underneath it to pull out the filter. And some of that's major challenges for us, and we do the best that we can. And, you know, it, it's kind of fun doing it. But um, going back to some of them that are not taken care of, yeah, it's, it's a little heartbreaking. You know, some of them we try to help out and do what we can, you know, but you, you just keep going forward. Brett, what is your favorite fish tank you've ever done, created? What would you say you and Wade have created? It's your favorite theme. Uh, I don't know about favorite theme, but we did one for a church in Dallas, Texas, 70 feet long, uh, and it's, it's amazing. It's 70,000 gallons, and you actually walk through two tunnels to get into the congregation. It's in Dallas, Texas. Uh-huh. It took two That's years not- to build. They built the tank first. They built the tank first, and then they built the building around the tank. That must have been unreal, Wade, to build and to see when you go to Dow. If you, I'm sure that they share it with you at times, Wade. That must be unbelievable to see that kind of a tank. You know, it, 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 yeah, it was 70 feet long. Moving the panel was a major task, and uh, putting it together took two and a half years. 70,000 gallons and be able to dive in it and swim with the fishies. It was incredible. Brett, what would you say has your life changed with the television show, especially the popularity of it, 100th episode? You know, you guys came out, decided you came up with this great business idea, got on reality television, have Animal Planet backing you huge, and you guys are so recognizable. How has your life changed, Brett? His head swollen. I mean, yeah, it's changed in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, number one, everywhere we go, Wade and I, you know, I mean, we get recognized everywhere we go. So, I mean, we travel a lot for this show, so we're always in the airport. So, and, and we don't say no to anybody. You know, we take pictures pretty much with everybody. You know, social media has become such a huge part of everyday life. And, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, people know that we are the same guys that you see on television. So I think that's one of the main things. I mean, it doesn't matter where we go. We could be in a little bar in a remote island and someone will right. be there and they'll, they'll recognize us. So that, and then my, you know, my kids, you know, my kids, that's that they know those are your dad on television is that you're, you know, in school. So, I mean, it, it's changed that way. And that's business. It, it's been good. That's great. And Wade, how would you answer that same question? 
You know, it's definitely changed our lives. Um, it, it's like two jobs. You have the business you're running for one before the uh, filming and traveling, and now you're traveling a lot. But you are, you know, recognizable. Everybody sees you. Um, the kids like it. The family likes it. It's a little tough here and there. But you know what? It, 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 it's a change also. It's something different every day. We're getting to see celebrities. We're traveling. Yeah. We're building these beautiful tanks, and we're capable of doing them anywhere in the world, which is great. And it, it, it just keeps going. We just hit 100 episodes. You know, Animal Planet, Friday nights at 10. We love it. We, you know, we're there. We're watching it. It's great. Great point, I because I was wanting to know, 10 p.m. Eastern, Brett, the, the, the uh, 100th episode this Friday, uh, what is this going to mean to you, Brett? Just that, that I mean, Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big accomplishment. You know, I'm pretty proud to have 100 episodes. Uh, and it's with a great, great, great person, uh, Titus O'Neil from WWE, uh, father of the year, you know, humanitarian, great wrestler, great person. It's going to be an amazing tank. And, uh, you know, we worked with him in the University of Florida. And, uh, you know, it just we, we created something pretty amazing. So I think this week's pretty special for us. And, Wade, when you guys are talking about, you know, getting the hobnob with celebrities and creating tanks and doing specific things, how do you, how do you keep yourself grounded? I, you guys seem so down to earth for sure and born to take pictures. You probably are like, don't want to take the playbook of some celebrities, right? You want to kind of say, the, the fans of who made us, our business is what made us, not us. And we have to constantly remember where we came from, right, Wade? I think we, you know, we definitely remember where we came from. You know, it's definitely a, t- you know, we're, we're, down, we're two guys from New York that we work. We, we're there with the people. We're doing it. Um, we're trying to stay on top of it. You know, you have some headaches. You have some problems. And you just keep moving forward. One of our slogans is there's no problems. There's only solutions. And, you know, with the celebrities, you just want to make everybody happy, and you want to make the kids happy. You want to make the parents happy, and I think that making them so happy keeps us moving. I think at the end of the day, it's just us being us. I mean, we're not we're not being anything different than who we really are on television. We're the same two guys that you meet at the airport. We're just Brett and Wade, pretty much. All right, so 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, Friday night, Animal Planet, Tank, best place to follow you guys, Brett and Wade. Where can we follow you guys? Uh, I'm I'm on Instagram, Twitter at Brett Raymer, Facebook Brett Raymer. Yeah, Brett. And Wade, Wade. At Wade King. All right, and he's awesome, at Wade guys. King, and also Wade King on Facebook. Fantastic! Thanks for calling, guys. Best of luck and congrats on the hundredth episode. Take care. Thank All you. right, take care. Thank you. See you, guys. Okay, see ya. Bye bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show. We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Author's Corner. I'm the host of the show, Neil Haley. You can check me out on Twitter, at Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Total Tutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley, Google Plus, and also on Periscope, at Total Tutor. And I love talking about the presidential election uh, with my colleagues, my friends, on the radio, with my education talk show. So I'm excited to welcome the program, Pro- presidential scholar, Douglas Allen Cohn, author of The President's First Year, Douglas, thanks for calling. Yeah, so uh, thanks for coming on the show. What a, I was talking about how crazy uh, so far the presidential election has been and so many things that we've probably not seen in a long time. Am I correct, Douglas? That's correct. Uh, there, it's, it's rather interesting, uh, but the whole thing has evolved over time. You know, you've gone from the era when presidents didn't uh, openly campaign. The whole, whole idea was to be the reluctant president. That was in the 19th century. Then we get into the 20th century, and the primary system started to pick up, but didn't get into full steam until after 1968. And then when you get into the modern time, where you have the advent of cable television that splits everything uh, up uh, among constituent groups who are conservatives, liberals, and so forth, and add to that reality television and so forth, and you you end up getting a situation where people find that by being outrageous, uh, you get uh, free press. Uh, Donald Trump is able to run a campaign yeah. on the cheap for that very reason. Exactly. He has taken, and see, and this is a kind of a, a, a bizarro world way that Barack Obama, President Obama, got popular. He used 
mainstream media. He used different things in a positive manner, but he got so much press because he was different than everyone else, and it helped so much to to fuel his campaign to defeat Hillary Clinton and then get on to the presidential election that he would go on, you know, different talk shows, different things, really getting himself out there. Donald Trump said, I'll even do it even more, and I don't care if it's positive or negative, I will get all the press because he's finding his own campaign. So he knows that if he makes a phone call and says, tells Fox, I want to come on at this time, or calls NBC or calls someone, they know they're going to get something that's going to be newsworthy. So he has figured out the way of uh, circumventing the old way of politics, right? Only to a degree. Richard Nixon famously said for Republicans, run right in the primaries, run to the center in the election. And all, all people running for the office have to be able to move to the center. And if you get yourself too far out there uh, on any direction, it makes it all that much more difficult. And you have to remember, by being outrageous, you get a lot of free press. So Donald Trump has gotten a lot of free press. But what that's bought him is free press that interests his constituent group, which amounts to 35 to 38 percent of the Republicans who represent 27 percent of the electorate, which means he's getting around 10 percent of the electorate. That's not going to get him elected to office. Barack Obama, on the other hand, used social media in a positive way that let him move to the middle quite easily and, and got him into the office. Donald Trump's going to have a much more difficult time trying to, trying to get to the center. Right, and do you feel he can do it? Do you think you're seeing changes after his big faux pas two weeks ago and that we're now seeing that Donald Trump is listening to his advisors more? He's trying to be a little bit more presidential in certain things. Are you seeing any of those changes, Douglas? It's it's not so much those changes. We always expected him to try to to change his persona to some degree uh, as as the campaign moved along. But what's more significant and more unusual about this campaign is you have the front runners, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, both have exceptionally high negatives. This is very unusual in American politics, because historically in American politics, if you have high negatives, you don't get elected. But when you're right. running against somebody who has high negatives, it's a whole different thing. So Donald Trump's main advantage, if there is one, is that he's, he may end up running against someone with high negatives should he be the uh, candidate. And that's what gives him an opening. Otherwise, he wouldn't, ha he wouldn't have a prayer. And in your book, Douglas, do you highlight some of the times where there's some similarities in what's going on now uh, during the uh, – during the run compared to when you brought up things like Nixon or you brought up certain situations where there was a lot of uh, mudslinging going on, especially what we're seeing now? The book, well, the book, is not, uh, the book is not chronological. The book is set up by category. So if, by doing it that way, by category, it makes it very easy to apply it to modern races. So we have chapters that talk about uh, – invader blockade comparing uh, Lincoln and Kennedy in the Civil War and the Cuban Missile Crisis. You have the loners comparing the people who are the smartest men in the room, and that talks in terms of uh, Thomas Jefferson, Jimmy Carter, and Barack right. Obama. You have, you, so by taking these categories of people and then taking a look at the candidates running today, you can get some kind of a picture uh, of that. There's never a complete analogy, of course, and the thing that you find when you look at these people is you find that the two qualities that are most important are anything that showed that you have personal courage and that you have a solid knowledge of history. And Teddy Roosevelt and John Kennedy both were historians and writers, and both had been to war and both had personal courage, and, and it set both of them in good stead for the presidency. That, that did not hold for quite a number of the rest of them. And as I tell people all the time, America has survived in spite of its presidents, not because of them. And how difficult is that process once you get the job? You know how everyone's promising the first 90 days I'm going to do this, this, and this. And we all know that that's not always going to be the case. There's a learning curve. There's different people that need to be involved. I think seeing whoever is going to be elected it's going to have that learning curve and then the expectation to get lots of done in the first year. It really isn't going to always happen. Some have been able to do it based on their experience level, but others, it's just a learning curve, right? Well, we have that little constitutional thing called separation of powers. So if you come in like Franklin Roosevelt did in 1933 and you take the Senate and, and the House and, you, and the presidency, you have a shot at getting a lot done. 
But if you come in as, as a Democratic president with a Republican Senate and a Republican House, it's a whole different game. Now, interesting enough, uh, Clinton uh, managed to deal with that sort of situation, but he managed to do it by really moving very far to the right on a number of subjects, uh, the Welfare Reform Act, for example, right. or NAFTA. These were, these were uh, initiatives that were Republican initiatives, not Democratic initiatives. So one way to deal with that, of course, is to basically slide over uh, far, far over to the other side. But if you don't do that, and Barack Obama has not done that, he stuck, he stuck to his own program. And as a result, a Republican Congress uh, has fought him tooth and nail, and you have gridlock. And it's a flaw in the system. And I don't want to get too technical, but if you go Article 1, Section 5, it says each branch makes its own rules. And one of the problems with that constitutional clause is that the Senate and the House get to make their own rules, which means they can squelch votes on subjects before anyone even gets a chance to vote. And as a result, you could have a situation where you have a coalition of enough Democrats and Republicans who get together and say, we want this particular uh, – right act to pass, and they can't get it because it never gets to the floor. That was never the intention of, of the founding fathers. That They had assumed they didn't know there would be political parties, and they assumed there would be coalitions, but there would be different coalitions on different subject matters as they went along. They never It never dawned on them that you would have a political party that would stand up and say, we're not going to consider we won't consider your your Supreme Court nomination. We're not going to we're not going to consider anything that you basically want to propose. That's that's what's created gridlock, and it all comes from it all comes from that Article One, Section Five of the Constitution. It, it definitely does. And uh, Woody, do you feel like ranking presidents or the presidents that do reach across the aisle and get things done and make improvements to the country are the best presidents? I think that's probably. What, what I consider, as you saw, what Bill Clinton was able to do working together, uh, is that the kind of best president you think in best scenario when you rank presidents and look at any, in your historical well, I, overview? I don't like to rank presidents, frankly, because ranking them, uh, you, you're comparing apples and oranges. It's like uh, ranking students, giving students a ranking in a class when when one person's uh, taking engineering and another's taking history English. It's not it's not a fair ranking. And what you do have are situations that are quite different. For example, after the Civil War, radical Republicans uh, controlled Congress. Lincoln, before he was assassinated, had wanted to have a gentle reconciliation with the South. His successor, Andrew Johnson, tried to do the same thing. Trouble was, he couldn't get that through the radical Republicans. So there was no crossing the aisle. It wasn't going to work. So when they're that far apart, crossing the aisle doesn't help. Bill Clinton was able to cross the aisle. Uh, but now Barack Obama is facing a very difficult situation where you have uh, obstructionists who simply do not want – and it's not all the Republicans. I, you just have certain right. people in the Republican leadership that are obstructionists, basically. Ted Cruz is a, a classic. I mean, Ted Cruz is the, one of the masterminds behind the 2013 uh, government shutdown, which is, did not put him in good stead with his own party. But when you're facing that kind of thing, it's a little hard to compromise, a little hard to cross the aisle. And so it changes with each uh, Congress and each president. So you think it's difficult, and then when people say, look at the president's legacy, it's very difficult because you have two sides of a coin uh, based on how our country thought process politically and things like that. And that, you know, like myself, who's more of a conservative, I'm a Reagan, well, I'm not as happy with some of President Obama's uh, initiatives while you would look or someone else or some other person that is not a journalist but looking at it just based on their party would say, well, this president was great and this president wasn't. It's very hard to rank presidents based on that. Is that what I'm kind of hearing from you, Douglas? That's correct. And what you're hoping is that, that these people who run for office are decent enough to make a separation between the campaign and, and the office. So uh, one of the items in the book is that you know uh, politicians lie to win, uh, uh, presidents lie to govern. Well, you have to lie to govern. Uh, you, in other words, you can't tell the, the, the public secrets. But lying to win is a different thing. So if you're out there and you you put out one lie after another to win, you get into office 
hopefully you're enough of a patriot that once you get into office, you're thinking of the country as a whole rather than just your party or your own agenda. And right now, there's too many people in Congress who do not look at it that way, right. and that's a, that's a real problem. You, you would hope they're patriots, not Republicans and Democrats. Exactly. It's more we're developing in this time and this situation. It's based on our party, not best what's best for the country. And that's the ultimate goal. But we look in political parties and we look at political systems in general and we see all those different things. And there's two sides of the coin. Well, I think there's a lot more than that regarding every topic someone has a passion. If it comes to education, it comes to uh, foreign affairs, it comes to any of these different things, or differing viewpoints in each party, which makes it difficult as well. Douglas, this sounds like a fascinating book. Where can we learn more about you and purchase your book? Where can we go? Well, my website, douglascone.com, and from Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.